This is a seasonal brew. Can only get it this time of year. Why are you so obsessed with Sierra Nevada? Did you have a positive experience in the mountain range once? Funny you should ask. So this this beer, I always try to buy it because it's only available this time of year and I really like it. In case, for those of you who are not watching Yeah, you know us, this is a, an audio <laughs> podcast. You might want to explain it's what that a is. It's Celebration <laughs> IPA, which is made by Sierra Nevada. But I, other than that, I don't really buy Sierra Nevada, except I listened to a, a podcast the other day called How I Made This, which is a uh-huh. really cool, like, it's mostly about, like, people starting up companies. And it was, and the one I listened to was the guy who started Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Back, oh, yeah? back in like the seventies when there was no such thing as like microbrews and stuff. It was very You just said Sierra Nevada and Sierra Nevada Brewing Company like seven times. So maybe <laughs> maybe we just found our uh, sponsor for the program, huh? <laughs> yeah, I also said yeah, I don't usually drink it. But I'd be happy to Is there to. anything unique about this? I mean you told me that you saw this, no, but, but is there just, anything you know, interesting about what you saw? They were talking about in the podcast, you know, that about is, you know, that they basically started the company with their pale ale, which is like their most popular beer. And which yeah. I, and when after I listened to it, I was like, yeah, I really like pale ale. And I was actually wanting to get like a pale ale, like on the way home. And so I grabbed it. I usually get like, um, what's the one like, uh, fuck, it's got the pigs on it. Oh, I can't think of it now. Pork slap, pork slap ale. Pork slap. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny can. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's what the only happens. Reason. Like, what happens if you know? All right, hypothetically, let's take COVID out of the picture here. Say, I was like, hey, Brad, I'm in town, and I showed up at your door with like a six pack. Let's just say Miller Lights, <laughs> Bud Lights, you know, uh, something like that. Maybe a Bush. Or a bush ice uh, or a natural, maybe a natural uh, ice. If I showed up with one of those, uh, I would drink it. Would dude. you? I, would, <laughs> here's the here's the question. Now, is would you drink it if you had your own beer in the fridge or would you big like would you big time in me and be like, I don't know, that's you. That's you. And then you go and get your own bottle or would you actually crack one with me? Um, good question. I guess it really depends on what you brought. If you brought like a bud, I'd probably have one. If you brought like, uh, say bush, a bush, yeah, that'd be, be kind of close. A, a Milwaukee's best. Yeah, I'd probably pop it. I'd be like, you know, I was gonna have an IPA, dude. You want one? <laughs> You're so hoity-toity. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you something. True story. The best beer that I ever drank in my entire life was a Miller High Life. Okay. Context? Best beer. And the best pizza was a Domino's pizza. The context is I had just walked about probably 25 miles in the middle of winter in my chucks with, like, a light jacket on. Uh Uh-huh. This was in college. Back in the 80s when people... What state are we in? This was in Rhode Island. Okay. And uh, me and a buddy had gone to my dad's house for the weekend. I had to go get some stuff for some school project. And we decided we were going to hitchhike back, which... (laughs) This is the 80s, so the mid-80s. And, like, it still was kind of like... I mean, 
not it wasn't the fucking seventies. Like everybody wasn't doing it. But we were poor college students. I knew the route. It wasn't that far. But and the scary film The Hitchhiker had already been made. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I think it had but by that point. What it yeah. boils down to is like what is like an hour and a half drive, hour and fifteen minute drive. It took us about ten hours. And okay. we walked like half of it. And oh my when God. we finally got in, my roommate had like a six pack of Miller High Life in the fridge. And we ordered a Domino's pizza, and I'm not even kidding. It was the best beer I'd ever had in my life. It was so good. Is that yeah? It just felt it was just, it just felt the that timing. Nice. The timing was good, and the pizza, yeah. pizza was amazing. So, so there's a lesson right there, my friend. Okay, well, there are. You did have your cautionary tales earlier than this. The original Hitchhiker came out in 1953. It was like a film noir. <laughs> Film noir movie. I don't know that I ever saw that. Uh, yeah, and there was a, another one with Rucker Howard in like the eighties. So yeah, you you had had your your warning by then. I was always obviously like you know I, a child of the nineties more, and by the time I started driving, the late nineties. So by then. Hitchhiking is it was over. It's gone. Yeah, it yeah, was gone. For sure. Like you're not going on like Route 287 and seeing yeah. somebody hitchhiking. Don't, don't get me wrong. Hat. It was definitely and, on, a, on the but, way out at this time. But earlier in my life, when I was maybe like 12 or 13, I was with my buddy Steve Lawson and his older brother Dave, who was kind of already a real seasoned ripper at that point, you know. And we were going up to Action Park. Do you know this place? Yeah, sure. You know, and there there was recently, I think, a documentary made about how many people got fucked up. In yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I used to go a lot. Somehow my, my fucking gangly ass managed to be okay besides for some cut up feet. But uh, <laughs> so we're going up there one day and we see he sees somebody hitchhiking. I don't think anything of it. He starts pulling off. I'm shook. I'm like, oh, we're picking up hitchhikers now. Okay. I was going to Action Park. I'm a little kid. I'm, you know, I haven't had this kind of exposure yet. Turns out the guy worked at Action Park. His car broke down. He'd been hitching every day. And the three of us got first on the uh, Colorado Rapids ride all day because that was his station. Nice. So, so I got to say, with hitchhiking, I'm I'm one for one. (laughs) I might just keep it there. Well. Honestly, I don't know that. I can't remember another time that I ever fucking hitchhiked. So I may be zero for one. You're 0 for 1. Yeah. You had one bad experience. Yeah. And then, yeah. It was, yeah. It, obviously. So know, what was your impetus? Like, you were just like, what was your vibe then? You were just like free spirit? Or was this like I was a, a fucking economic, like college like, student, freshman year college student? I'm just like, what the fuck? I can't, you know, I think, um, I think it was a, ha- it would have been a hassle for my, my dad to drive us all the way back. On that right. per- that particular day, I'm sure you know that like maybe there was an offer of doing it at a different time, and I just was like, no, nah, whatever, dude. We'll just not a big deal. A couple good looking guys, we'll get out there, and I don't remember. I don't remember why we decided to do it, and it didn't work. So I never maybe it, it should make a comeback. Hitchhiking, you know. Well, you know, I got I get the sense, right? I get the sense, and you know, we talk, we get pretty deep in this episode at times. So this this is apropos. But I do get the sense, like, with everything that's going on, there is also sort of, like, a deep, deep, like, spiritual hippie kind of thing that's getting, like, super, super solidified. It's a response, you know? There's always responses to things, things go in waves. So I think we're getting into a more 
trusting and loving environment in some places. I could see hitchhiking kind of making its way back in that in that regard. Like, like what the fuck is the difference between like hitchhiking and ride? Sharing? Right, I was gonna say. You know what I mean? Sharing. You're jumping in someone else's fucking car. Yeah. I've been in some sketchy ass fucking. <laughs> I've been picked up by people on dialysis and shit. Like, uh, you know, like, so what's the difference? Wait, maybe a hitchhiking app now, right? So if you well, take three rides and you're not a creep, you're a five-star hitchhiker and and you get picked up anywhere. So I left. Oh, wait, did I just invent something? I left something out of my story, which I don't know oh, if it's relevant okay. or not. The last ride that we did get, we had to get out of the car. Why? Because the guy said, if you just, all I want to do is touch it. You don't have to, we don't have to do anything. Oh, no, really? Yeah, this guy for like five or ten minutes, basically, I think he picked up these two dudes with funny haircuts. You know, we were both kind of punk rock and thought, How is this not relevant, Brad? (laughs) I've just been telling people the last five minutes to start hitchhiking again. How is this not relevant? And, that you, and that we, someone tried to get diddled by you. We were like, no, we're not. Oh. And the funny thing is my buddy, he was asking my buddy, he was sitting in the front, and I'm sitting in the back going like, just let him, it's okay. Like, I didn't say this out loud, but I'm thinking in my head like, dude, what do you got to lose, man? I'm fucking oh, freezing. My do. feet are frozen. Let him touch your dick. <laughs> Don't lose this ride. Don't lose this ride. The rules of the road. Oh, my God, Brad. I so, can't believe you just made me pitch hitchhiking. <laughs> For five minutes, I'm, I'm back. I reverse. Sorry. No and one hitchhiked. From there, we Goodness. walked. <laughs> oh. So literally, you had one experience, and your one experience is what everybody thinks happens. <laughs> so maybe it does more often than not. Maybe I had the unique experience of getting a non-diddler. <laughs> oh, man. But I guess when you have the car, you have the power, right? Yeah, indeed. So it's like that's the deal. Like if you're picking up hitchhikers... It's probably less risk than any uh, than the reverse. And I have to say, he did at one point before we finally got out. Offer to just say, if you can just pull it out, that'll be enough. <laughs> I don't <laughs> he's have to, to work I with think you. He's like, I don't have to touch it. I just want to see it. To I just want to see it. He just wanted to fill the spank bank for later. <laughs> oh my goodness, Brad. <laughs> You're a bizarre guy. I can't believe you tell that story. <laughs> that is the story. No, but I just, and you just like we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about beer, man. We we're talking about beer. Oh my god, Brad. Uh, All right, but so, listen, I hate to do this now, but before we change the subject, I just want to say one thing. I was going to say this at the top. Yeah, and I'll elaborate at the end. I want to say one thing, and then we can move on. I want to say thank you, Carrie Ann. That's all I want to say. Okay, love it. I'll elaborate at the end. She, you know, it'd be nice. Let's give a little shout what out. She did. Okay, thanks, Carrie Ann. <laughs> I'm with you. I feel you. All right. Also, thanks to Neil. Mm. I know Neil. Neil's got to back yeah, out. Poor guy of the Patreon for now. We get it. Absolutely Things, get it. It's a strange time, and this is uh, certainly a cost that can be removed. like if you're like power bill water bill going off track patreon yeah Yeah. it's a clear pecking order there it's fine but neil we love you wish you luck be good out there just just keep listening that's all we care about yeah keep plugging away out there but uh so this conversation with the great chris creswell true canadian one of the most Uh, canadian i mean (laughs) 
he's just I hate I don't okay. <laughs> Let me slow down because I don't want to just go into the typical oh Canadian thing. But there is something here, okay? I only know one American band personally that operates in a truly like democratic fashion where people go way back and you watch the members kind of coexist and it's this flowing group with none of that jealousy or back and forth. Like I know one American band. I know more than one Canadian band who can manage to do that. And the Flatliners are like the example of like a family band, you know? (laughs) I mean, as he explains in the interview, like Chris and Scott met each other in kindergarten. Like their parents set them up. And then, you know, Paul, like meeting at band camp and taking buses to their town. Like these guys grew up together, you know? There's not... It's not an inside or outside thing that they don't know about each other. And and that's one of the reasons uh, it works so well. But I, I meant to ask Chris in this interview, you know, his tips and things like that. But I, I've been around this band and it, the, the biggest thing is just like mutual respect, you know. Right. You watch the people talk to each other and you just see that like nobody is minimized. Nobody's opinion is minimized. Everybody is heard. Everybody is talked to and communicated. And it's just like, it's a good thing, man. I really respect the flats. And and with that uh, same temperament, I think, is what allowed the transition into like hot water and what's happening there to be so smooth. Like there's very few people I could see who could basically like ruffle feathers so little that there could be like such a smooth process in something like this literally like they're pulling off like some version of like a rock and roll like polyamorous <laughs> band which is hard to do well the, the re- it takes adults in the room yeah, because, to pull that because, off because dude you know? first of all it's very difficult to stick with it it's very difficult to become a successful uh musician artist whatever without having a pretty fucking potent ego and right. i and i think that that these guys don't have big i think they manage to do it without egos and that's yeah. and if you can do that then yeah what there's nothing the ego is always what fucks you up it's and all- mutual goals you know it's like like everybody's got to stay on the same path yeah you know like like you have to if one person wants to be you know a stadium rock star and the other one is content filling up bars and you're going to have problems, right? you know? So, so it's that too. But that again, is just like a matter of communication. It's like understanding people being empathetic with each other, understanding other people's needs and wants. Like, I don't know. Like I said, it just takes like adults. <laughs> I, I think maybe Canadians are just better adults in general, uh, but respect possible. to Chris. He's always been like the sweetest dude from the second I met him. Uh, one of the, I think the first time, we went up to Toronto area after we met the Flatliners. I have stayed at Chris's parents' house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been in the basement. It's carpeted. It was great. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, nothing but respect for Chris and those guys. And uh, this was a great interview. Let's get into it. All Excuse right. me for getting a little off track. Oh. As it goes. It's going off track. 
Thanks for coming on, man. I was just asking Brad about his day for a little background because it's kind of cool. Brad is uh, an elf <laughs> who makes like the window displays in like Macy's and like all the cool places in, uh, you know, in New York City for people to see for Christmas. Oh, I was I was listening to the Kate and John Hiltz episode the other day, so I uh, I heard the intro. I'm 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 a little more up to speed than you might think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, do you imagine cool. like Brad that. the same way I do, just wearing like I don't know Will Ferrell clothing? <laughs> Pretty much. I was, was going to yeah. say for the last like however many, it's probably more years than I think it's been out for. But every year yeah. since Elf has existed. It's one oh, of the classic cases of a that. movie. Oh, dude, yeah. I love it. I, that's a classic case of a movie to me that I wish it ended like just 20 minutes before it did. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, last yeah, 20 it, it of Elf is a little rough. Suffers, it kind of suffers from the similar thing that I think all Judd Apatow movies suffer from. But his, oh, but his I think the on. affliction, well, I think the affliction if I could put it that way with his, with his films is that mm-hmm. they're all like 40 minutes too long. I like them. Mm. It's not that I don't enjoy that, that little stretch of time. That's too long as well. It's there's something about it. They still do enjoy, but I just, I, just, I don't know. I, I can't, I hear you. <laughs> I, I can't no. help but think like all those movies are too long. I hear you now that you're mentioning it and I'm going through a couple in my head. You know what I think he's a slave to is like the Hollywood payout. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like he needs that like last 20 minutes of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like where you think it's going to go is actually going to go. You're right. Because I'm quickly thinking about a couple of films, especially 40 year old virgin mm-hmm. being one of yep. them and oh, yeah. also knocked up. Both of those movies could end way before they do. Yeah, Chris, he's got he's got very some, astute, very he, astute. He, he may have a, some fascination with, you know, needing to include or just the, like the, the yearning to include the uh, darkness before the dawn kind of thing. He's which is great. Just, which is great yeah. storytelling. Let's be honest. Of course, it works. So no problem. He's an eight, it worked in the eighties, and he's like <laughs> probably a product of the eighties. But as we're learning now, we were all living in some bizarre American utopia like this. This weird like stretch of like twenty years where if you decided to not pay attention, like nothing weird would happen in this country. <laughs> and I thought it was just gonna stay like that because I grew up in it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I don't know. We'll, 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 I digress. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. But before, so wait, Brad, so Brad how, what's what's going on? In the yeah, they, what's going they, on? Elfing, you, man. Like, what yeah, are you working on? on? They're going He's, in. I'm trying sacks. to get as much info as I can from him. He's being it's very top secret. Dude. It's top secret. Yeah. You got to wait till uh, launch day, which I don't even know. Yeah, but I'm not gonna go. Yeah. Who's? I'm not. I'm not going to New York City to look at windows right now. Yeah. You fucking nuts. No. Yeah, well, are, is, so is there gonna be like a live stream <laughs> reveal this year? What's yeah. going on? Maybe. Maybe right? they get so many people there when they do the when they first open them. Like they close off Fifth Avenue. It's pretty. Yeah, yeah it's I remember crazy. being in New York. Man, this was years ago. This was I don't know eight years ago, maybe something like that. And uh, my wife was working in New York for a couple of weeks and like for a while. And I came to visit for maybe a couple of weeks. I can't, it's all kind of blurry. Uh, but um, 
I remember we, it was like right before Christmas. So, and she was, she was being put up at an Airbnb by the company she's working for at the time, like nice. near Saks and all that stuff. Yeah. And so we saw some of that shit and I felt like I was in a fucking eighties movie seeing that walking down the street. <laughs> I was like, damn, motherfuckers in New York see this shit every day this time of year. <laughs> I think I've, I've <laughs> never seen cool. the reveal, but I think they do like fireworks and they've got like a major wow. sound system that goes off like. It's pretty mad, and I think they're like every night they're gonna have some quasi celebrity like turn on the lights like oh. all week. When I guess maybe the week it's it must be the week of Thanksgiving or the week after Thanksgiving. I don't know. I don't know. I gotta finish okay. in this week though. Got to get them in. How do you how do you get that gig? I yeah, how do you get that gig? There's so, so many jobs. I wonder how you get. This is certainly nepotism. One of them. <laughs> as, as any good job one yes. of my very one of my closest friends is his uh sister-in-law is uh one of the owners and i've had like that you know i've i've i had met her years ago and had been at thanksgivings and stuff with her and and i knew about the gig but i just like i never really had time to do it and now i have time and I, I mean, I love making shit. I'd love build. I love having a whole cool. shop full of tools that you can just build anything with. So, and it's I, fun. I feel like this is a nice, wholesome way to end an otherwise pretty challenging year. Yeah, for a lot of people, right? <laughs> like you're kind of you're giving people like this. Well, not like only that, dude, new- but like it's. I got two kids that I spent the Wait, guys, spring. Hang, I'm sorry. Hang on one oh, second. There There's some crazy storm going on in my house, and I hear something thumping around outside. Hang on oh, one boy. second. You got I'm it. sorry. I got some crazy wind going on in my neck of the woods, too, in Toronto. It's fucking gnarly up here. Second favorite city, probably, and possibly, oh. at least in the Northeast. But, yeah, I love Toronto. Yeah, man, it's great. Is that second to New York? yeah. For sure. So, okay, let me ask you, because I feel like it's what every Torontonian wants to believe, but I don't know how New Yorkers feel about this. A lot of people say that Toronto is like a mini, maybe a very mini New York. I mean, I can see the similarities, but I wonder how like New Yorkers take to that, especially one who loves Toronto. I mean, you know what I think it is? I think it's a good comparison only because there's no other city it's the closest city i think because no other city really compares to new york like you can't yes, compare chicago and none nah. of the west coast cities count at all because they're not anything like it um, that's true i agree but uh but the thing that i love about toronto is that it's like it's almost like a better version of the, i mean it's like it's more diverse i think than new york at mm-hmm. least like you know it feels more diverse i'm sure that maybe as a whole, maybe New York is, but Toronto just feels really, it feels really like visibly diverse, I guess, as opposed to. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, you're, you're, you're definitely right. I mean, it's funny though. Cause like me having been raised here and visiting New York all, all these years on tour and stuff, like I'd always consider it to be, I, I'd always consider New York to be the same thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. when people are saying things about Toronto, like you are, it's always nice to hear. Cause it is true. But I mean, yeah, I feel like we kind of, learned that from new york <laughs> maybe i mean maybe you know uh, but it's like it's definitely i feel like there's more there's more um you know what it is is like so new york is definitely a real melting pot mm-hmm. and it's not really i mean it's not segregated the way some cities are but we do have like in order to really get those like pockets of like 
of influence. You've got to kind of travel. You know, you go to Queens to see, True. you know, to go to like this like this Indian neighborhood or whatever, and then you go, you know, Lower East Side. But I feel like that in <clears throat> in Toronto. I mean, just as an outsider, it looks like to me that like all of those cultures seem to kind of be more influential i mean it, i may be completely wrong about this no i think it's no i think you're right i think yeah there's definitely like i mean there's a lot of people that live in this city and there's a lot of little neighborhoods squashed together just like new york or a lot of big cities but you feel like an influence in each kind of yeah. neighborhood and it's cool i like that a lot you know what i mean it's like i think it's part of the reason why i mean i think it's like an easy thing to come together on when you're talking about um people from all over the world coming to a place you i feel like you you feel it first in in the food that's around. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's all, it always kind of reveals itself in that way first. And there's, I feel like that's why Toronto's become like such a food city. At least to me, like living here, I feel like in the last ten years, like there's so much more available from so many places on Earth, like right where I live. You know what I mean? And that's, oh, dude, it's food's exciting, so good man. there. Cool. Yeah, the food yeah. is great there. It, I mean, yeah, man, it's funny because I was there this time last year doing the. Um, Hudson Bay windows. Oh shit! So man, that's wild. So you're you're doing that at other places too. Yeah. So we built them okay. in the, we built them in Queens, and then I went up there with a crew to install them. And Damn. that was that's a not big too far deal. from where I live. Actually, oh really? Like young in Queens. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they, like I'm like you know I'm kind of like I'm a little further east than there, but yeah, I know I know exactly obviously where you're talking about. That's they cool. put them back. They usually change them every year, but they put the ones in that we made last year. They put them back in this year because we couldn't come up to to, oh, to install anything. And also, I guess there was you know they probably didn't have the money to make new windows. We talk in Toronto now. Oh, we're talking Toronto. Yeah, big time, we're talking dude. Toronto. Doing, the the yeah, team without a country. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much. And it's so it's so funny like that. Um, that uh bay window kind of holiday window reveal is like one of the many things i'm talking about when i when i say that like toronto is or wants to be depending on you know what people's opinions are of it wants to be like a new york because right. obviously people from hudson's bay company were like look what they do at fucking Saks fifth avenue we're gonna do that here we got these big ass yeah and hired the same hired the same company to do it <laughs> oh i love it that's so to, to, funny man you know i gotta say though to toronto's credit I had heard that a couple of times, you know, before I went to Toronto. Yeah. And then I started going up there a couple of times. And I mean, comparatively to a lot of the cities around America and stuff, like it's one of the ones that can kind of pass. That's cool. Like That's that, like New York. Like, well, yeah, Benny, you it missed is, it. Yeah, but it I told real. him that Toronto is probably, it may be my second favorite North American city. Definitely my second favorite, like Northeastern city. Yeah, it's a yeah, good it place, is. man. I mean, it is, it is. Well, speaking of which, I know I was busting your balls on uh, on text about talking about the mayor of Toronto the whole time. <laughs> but, yeah, like, yeah. I got to be honest about something. When I was saying that, in my head, I was talking about Ford. Yeah. I'll imagining, figure, like, figure. he was still the mayor. And I do some quick research, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy died. Dude, they like, like a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, a few yeah. years ago, and they they televised his funeral. It was Ooh, so strange. Really? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was so bizarre. I remember like I'd gone and visited my my folks or my grandma or something like north north of the city, and I stopped at uh, this burger joint that like my parents used to go to when they were in high school on my way back to the city, and they have you know um, 
they just had this 20, this 24 hour news channel in Toronto called CP24. It's just okay. like the same 10, 15 things like all day long. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's like super hypnotizing to watch. <laughs> and uh, they had the audio on at this restaurant. Usually they're playing music at this Burger Shack and they had the audio on and it was Rob Ford's funeral. It was so weird. That's so I'm just strange. there eating like a burger and fries just like watching this. I, I, I don't know why they did that because he wasn't mayor for that long, but he was like yeah. so obviously became such like a global figure at least for like a minute, you know? Um, well. I guess that's Canadians when, yeah, succumb to ratings as well. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, that's what happens when you're like, mayor was like a drug dealer before and like, it was like video circulating of him smoking crack. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He was on Jimmy Kimmel or something like while he was mayor or maybe just well, yeah. after he was mayor. I can't remember, but he became this weird celebrity figure for like a minute because we basically had Chris Farley as our mayor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in America, we're like, Oh, we had our mayor smoking crack in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who was um uh, Marion uh, Barry? Yeah. Marion Barry <laughs> from DC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then we're like, oh, right. that's what mayors do. Yeah. <laughs> you were living in Toronto though when he was mayor, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we I, mean I wasn't home much at that point, really. Sure. But, sure. But yeah, I was. I was. I was. I was coming home to a. A thick cloud of crack smoke from city council, I suppose. <laughs> was there was there a lot of vitriol at the time from kind of our like you know alternative punk community to a guy like that? Or <laughs> I mean, I feel like just like those years he was mayor anywhere we went, like especially when his hijinks were like hitting an all time high, uh, pun intended. Um, you know, people <laughs> were just like yeah, people were hitting us up about it like we knew him. We're like, no, we don't fucking know this guy. Yeah. we couldn't it was one of, we couldn't keep up on the news with him though i feel like but but so his brother uh doug ford right is now our the premier of ontario so he's okay. the, uh you know he's like the he's like our governor essentially of ontario gotcha. and, uh, and he's a clown dude he's a big clown he's, he's, he's a like big as, as bad or d- yeah, just like, same, like, same deal he's not as scandalous as far as his like yeah, he's not like getting caught smoking crack and stuff like that. But he's 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 a dummy. He's I feel like we have Biff from Back to the Future as our <laughs> premier. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> he's just I don't know. This year is obviously like a challenge for anybody on earth, like whether you're in a position of political power or just a regular person. Of but, course. Uh, yeah, he's you know. Uh, I'm going to put it on wax. I don't trust the government. Okay. And he's part of that. So (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is is someone like Ford speaking, speaking publicly about like Trump and what's going on in the States? Kind of. He's, he's, I think he's been pretty careful uh, um, to really condemn a lot of behavior. Although, you know, like as far as COVID related stuff, he's been pretty clear that he's totally fine. Keeping like the border closed except for essential travel which is kind of insane that it's still that way yeah um, pretty wild you can i, I mean obviously if you're a if you're if you're a canadian citizen or a permanent resident and you're in the u.s right now you can come home to canada mm-hmm. no questions asked but you got quarantine for two weeks still and all this stuff but uh yeah like I, I, but brad I, I, and I, I cannot go to canada no. right now no not right now man not right now it's crazy it's it's the first time since Dude, I think it's the first time since. Actually, you know what's so funny is I was talking to Tom May uh, for his podcast months uh-huh. ago, for Future Friday, like months ago. Sorry to name another podcast. On no, the show. please, Tom May of the Menzingers, <laughs> yeah, friend yeah. of the program. Oh yeah, friend there you of, go. Yeah, yeah, friend of him the program. Were, yeah, him and I were chatting in the summertime. 
Uh, and he was, he's, you know, born and raised Scranton, Pennsylvania. And he was schooling oh, yeah. me. He's like, this is the first time that the U S Canadian border has been closed like this since like the war of 1812. I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Crazy. And it still is. So, so yeah, the man, last time weird. was, was when you all burnt down the white house. That's right. <laughs> now, wait, That's so, right. Hell yeah. all right, so I got a question about that though. So th- <laughs> this is actually a two parter. Cause so. When I was schooling myself, being like, oh, Jesus, Ford died. He's not the mayor. Who's the fucking mayor? You know, and I start looking into John Tory, your current yeah. mayor, and, and his mm-hmm. deal. And did you know one of his ancestors, James Tory, was a soldier in the 71st Scottish Regiment and was captured and held prisoner during the American Revolution, later Damn. settling in Nova Scotia? So this guy's got got history, but... But here's the question maybe you can settle for me, right? Okay. So so Canadians burnt down the White House in 1814, <laughs> mm-hmm. but Canada didn't become an independent nation until 1867. That's correct. So who is technically taking credit or discredit? <laughs> For burning down the White House here, like yeah, uh, it, you know, we were just like a need, ran, we, were, we were just like a, 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 a rowdy gang of people at that point. We weren't a country. I don't know. It was just people from here. I mean, it was. <laughs> would it have been? Would it have been? This is taking me back to history class, and it's kind of ironic because, like, when I was in school, when I was in high school, like, I, I, I didn't give much of a shit about geography or history, and now those are the two things that I probably should have listened to and paid attention to the most in school because <laughs> sure. I like it a lot now. Uh, but would they have been Acadians or would they have been back then? I don't know, man. I got to hit the books. I got to hit the books. Um, <laughs> it's, it is so funny though, that like after obviously so much time has passed since Canadians or, or whoever we were at that point, uh, right. burned down yeah. the white house. <laughs> but like then since like, since then somehow, Every single person on earth, if they've heard of Canada, they also have heard like, oh, yeah, they're really nice, polite people. But meanwhile, back in the day, we are burning your shit to the ground. Well, maybe it was polite. <laughs> maybe it was merciful. That's true. Yeah, it could have just been one match and it, maybe it just got a little out. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's the funny. I mean, if you really like, like the same people who burnt down the White House were the same people who were basically American not long before. You know what I mean? Right. Some true. mix of yeah. like. Like even this guy, you know, his uh, his ancestor was a soldier in the 71st Scottish Regiment. You know, it was Brits and Scots and French and all these same people who were fucking over the Native Americans in the U.S. And eventually the ones who were here for like two generations decided to call themselves Americans and fight the British and the French, who they formerly were, you know, like 60 years before. Yeah, that's, you know. It's funny you mention that because, like, it's almost like the more and more I get into history, and I really like contemporary history, like the last two hundred years, just to try mm-hmm. to understand the actual minutia of what you know led from A to B to C. And and the more and more I learn about it, I just get a little more, uh, I guess, despondent with like the cyclical nature of it all. Like yeah. when you start just seeing the same countries. And the same types of people who are constantly waging these wars and playing this theater amongst the world. It sort of seems to be the same characters all the time doing the same kind of shit over the last couple. I mean, even the simple fact that if, say, like World War Three broke out tomorrow, Mm -hmm. the largest democratic response in the world 
could potentially be Germany at this point. Isn't that just stupid? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like just to think that wasn't that long ago. No, no, that it, really it was, was just the exact opposite. And now, yeah. you know, we're kind of trending the wrong. It's like, it's like there's, it doesn't even take many generations for us to fool ourselves. It's really, no, it's totally true, man. I mean, you've spent so much time in Germany, like, you know, people there and you know what it's like to visit there because it, it you're right. It, it, it was not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. It really was not that that was, you know, the worst place. Uh, and now if, I mean, especially I suppose if you do what you and I usually do not this year, but usually it's right. the best place. Now it's the best place to go. <laughs> right. Isn't that, isn't that ridiculous? And, I mean, it's great, but they've also done such a good job, I think, um, as a country to like teach their people about what happened. You know, there's so exactly. much yeah. in in North America, in, in like North American history about about Canada, about the U.S. The yeah, about like stealing land from Native American people, and you know, taking taking something that isn't rightfully ours, but then you know, turning it into a, a nationally celebrated holiday every single year, at least once a year. You know what I mean? And that's right. All these things that, like they're not really fully taught to us, and uh, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of liberating in a way being an adult now, and you can just um, you can learn about it if you want. But when you're a kid, you only have so much time, and your mind is be- like when you're in school, you're being you're being taught all these things at once, and you're just trying to absorb this information. So you kind of just like I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I was just I was kind of doing everything. It's actually similar. I'm reminded of like just listening to the show the other day that the Kate uh, Hiltz and, and John Hiltz episode where Kate said like she was just doing everything in school so they'd get off her back. Like that's kind of what I right. was doing too. I was sure. like, I'm going to do this work, and then when it's done, it's done. And I feel like yeah, when it when it was done for me when I got the grade or whatever it was like the information may have been out of my brain at that point. Yeah. Sure. And now and we probably, get to go back and yeah. kind of actually learn what was maybe happening. And I don't know, but it it is it is interesting because I feel like kids now have so much more at their fingertips that they can figure out the real shit at a much younger age. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's sure. good, but I think it's got to be intense for those kids. There's yeah. a lot yeah. thrown at them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's in, you know what I was thinking about? <laughs> Go on a journey with me here. This is going <laughs> off track. Okay. Brad, maybe you can sympathize. Yeah. So I had, a, I had a kid who had a bad night last night, like something, <laughs> something spooked her. I don't know what I couldn't get a straight answer, but it was like real fear. Mm-hmm. And I had like a very um, I, I don't know. My response to it was very personal because I think it was taking me back to like being a kid and being like afraid at night yeah. in my bedroom and in my bed and remembering kind of like the real terror you can feel. And at one point, you know, we have like this star machine that we have for our kids. It's kind of a pretty trippy environment when we put them to bed. And my my daughter's wide awake. She's just looking at these stars. It's in the middle of the night. I'm like, what's going through her head? I'm like, she's really young, but I'm like, is she conceptualizing death right now? Like, is she thinking about like all that hardcore shit that like I had to conceptualize at some point and still actually probably haven't gotten over? Um, you know, and... <laughs> The one thing to lead this all around to the way we teach, because the the way you talked about history brought this to me is like, I'm not really one for, you know, being like, you have to teach religion in schools. But the one thing I was thinking about is like, we do teach science, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I love science. I'm obsessed with it. I believe in it. Let's just put that out there to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just I know no, I have stand, to these we days. Stand with science. We yeah. stand with uh. science. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the Carl Sagan perspective of things, you were taught about the universe, right? You're taught about mm-hmm. the solar system. You're talking about the infinite nature of space. Mm-hmm. And at a very young age, you're given this idea to conceptualize yourself as a speck of dust, just like Carl Sagan said. So in turn, are you also giving your kid a sense of mortality right there? Are you giving them the idea that like, yes, this is what physically exists, but you're not answering it with why. And are we literally giving our kids like existential crises by not offering like the spiritual perspective of this existence like met with science right man holy shit i mean i never really thought about that i'm not i'm not raising kids i don't like well sometimes i think about this kind of stuff as a 33 year old person and and just my and my answer is basically always to me to myself is that i have no answer i have no fucking clue (laughs) right i (laughs) couldn't so i can only imagine being in your shoes and and having those thoughts go through your mind about what thoughts might be going through her mind, through your daughter's mind. I mean, pff, Jesus Christ, man, we are going off track. And I love, oh, I love Brad, Brad, do you feel me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Kids can be deep. I, it's funny. You just reminded yeah. me when I was, I, what a, a memory that I, that, that, that often um, comes back to me of me walking down the stairs into the living room. Cause I couldn't sleep. It was when I lived in Connecticut, I had to be like, um, I must have been in either like third or fourth grade. And um, and I'm like, rub my eyes like I can't sleep. My dad's in the living room watching TV. He's like, what's up? What are you doing? Go back to bed. And he's like, I'm like, I go, dad, if we're all just going to die someday, why are we bothering with life? <laughs> Oh I'm like, what's the purpose if you're just going to die? Oh my and my yeah. dad, his head must have exploded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what it, yeah. I mean, how old were you when that happened? It had to be, I had to be like nine, eight or right. nine, maybe. Like I was in yeah. like probably third, maybe second, third or fourth grade was when I lived in Connecticut. Because you got to be so gentle. Like, yeah. Probably, I would so guess gentle. like yeah. third grade, which would be that's okay. like eight or nine, right? Yeah. Sure. And you got to be so gentle. Because if you're like yeah. 19 and you're hanging, you know, your kid's 19 and you're maybe sharing a beer or something, you're like, yeah, man, I don't fucking know. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like but, yeah. but at nine, like, yeah. you can't just drop Jesus. like the, yo, your dad has no fucking clue either, man. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Brad, do you remember <laughs> what the answer was? I don't, I don't know. My dad is really good with that shit, though. He's very... Well, because, yeah, he's a biblical archaeologist, yeah, he, right? I'm so, sure he had some amazing damn. answer that was not... It was definitely... he, But he was never religious about things like that. Like, he was, he he was very just, much uh, a man of he, science. He didn't just clap back with you with the word capitalism. <laughs> that <wasn't laughs> he said, he put his arm around him and said, someday, son, when you're 13 <laughs> or 14... <laughs> You're going to discover you purpose, son. <laughs> you're going to discover what's going on with girls. Oh, right. <laughs> it's all going to be yeah. worth it for a little while. Yeah. Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2 years, kid, you're only going to think about one thing for about 20 more years. <laughs> so, so at least you can feel good about oh, that. Oh, dude, right? it's true. I mean, you know what? It, those were the 
This is no joke. That was my deepest thoughts were in those. I remember being, I, it was the only time in my life I used to get depressed was when I was, right. was that age. Like I've never really had a problem with depression, you know, e- e- unless it's triggered by, you know, by a fucking pandemic and being <laughs> sure. boarded up, but never like sure. sort of like just, you know, sort of clinical out of the no, uh, but I did, I had a few years there where I definitely had like definitely spells of like, deep thoughts and somewhat a bit of depression it was yeah man i i had deep, I, mean, I think kids have really deep thoughts and and absolutely and and i just like i mean again i'm i'm not a parent so i i i i wonder if it's true i'll ask you guys like as parents is it true i mean especially because now like i said kids have so much information at their fingertips there's no real there's not a lot of questions that go unanswered anymore mm. uh now it depends on like if the the answer that they're reading on the internet is maybe reality or not, or actually informative or not. Right. That's up for debate, obviously. But Mm -hmm. like, like, did you guys find that as like, I mean, and as you continue to raise kids, you are not forced necessarily to put your own stuff aside and, and, you know, help kind of uh, raise, raise these kids and, and, and kind of just like inform their existence about how your own existence was formed. But is there a part of you that's kind of like, it's, it's, um, what am I trying to say? There's like a, there's like a, there's an urgency to be helpful and to be, mm. to be there for someone else. Even if you don't know the answer, like it kind of helps trying to figure it out together. Yeah. Well, you just said it, you can, you just got to be there. Like that's all, right. that's what it's about, you know, right. because yeah, you're not going to have the fun. You're going to have an answer. <laughs> it's going to help them. I, you know, I think I get what you're saying. And, and I think in truth, yes, I do think it helps. With the idea that, like, you know, I've always been trying to scratch the surface for, like, a deeper meaning. You know, even though I wasn't raised with religion, I've been on a sort of endless quest to answer questions, find out more, and, you know, dig into this. Because the the, the answers I've gotten up until this point aren't adequate for me. Not very satisfying. Yeah. Well, I mean, some have been and a mixture of some are, but like, I still, luckily for me, I'm alive and healthy enough to still try to fucking figure some stuff out. But like, um, you know, so the one thing it does for me in that regard is like, it puts things in a very comfortable pecking order that does make me understand like something deeper is existing here that like, I maybe just, just don't understand like we talk about, right. but, but I think it's insured me of that fact a little bit more, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this idea that like, like, I don't know, maybe I would have told like an ex or something. Yeah. I'd die for you. I, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know if I meant it, you know, right. I don't know what my intentions were. Now I know it's true. You know what right. I mean? Like there's these things that like every fucking thing comes before and it's not it's innate, you know, it, it's not something you have to like go through mental gymnastics to get yourself to that point. So, so I do think it kind of, it can provide like a perspective, I guess, in that way. If right. That like it's that. not like snap into a grid necessarily, but it might kind of help align some things. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely yeah. like, I haven't found any more answers than I had probably than when I was like 20 fucking years old. But (laughs) through some of the situations I've been in in the last like five or six years, watching people die, watching people grow, 
watching mm-hmm. people be born and do these things like, you know, that idea that like my hands are in the air and something's at work here that like is just bigger than me makes yeah. more sense. I don't know what it is still, but I think the um, the inactivity of trying to find out what that is may be enlightenment. You know, like, like really like ending the search and actually becoming completely comfortable with the fact that like, you will never know. And it is, you know, and, and actually moving on from that point in a comfortable way. I mean, that's just kind of just, just being, yeah, yeah, that's great life, life's challenge. And then studying religions and all those things. Yeah. I mean, I can completely understand why people have created all these worlds that they created because they're great. Right. <laughs> they're great. They're a lot easier to be in. Um, I, I, I got to believe that even like the least religious people, because to be honest with you, I'm not a religious person. I do. I do though think that there is like a, you know, like I think you can, you there's, I think being a religious person and maybe like a spiritual or spiritually leaning person, I think those can be different things. And uh, I got to believe that even like the least religious people on earth are just like, they definitely would love to achieve like this inner peace that everyone has heard about. Yeah. I mean, but it's, man, it's just, I I just, I can't, I can't fucking sit still. So I don't know if I'll ever get it. (laughs) What was, what was, what was your background? Pushing the the goalpost or something. Yeah. What was your background like with that? Like, how were you, um, how were you raised with like faith and religion? So it was a pretty big part of my upbringing to an extent because, I mean, I think, well, so, okay, my mom's parents, my maternal grandparents, uh, my grandma was a church organist for 38 years. And she, yeah, and then uh, my grandfather was, he he was a very religious man, but I think that's also a generational thing. Yeah, I think sure. that that generation, yeah. it was so much more a part of your life and it was, you know, like your social circle really for a lot of people, not for everyone, but for a good number of people, I think like was formed mm-hmm. at something like church. That was your weekly kind of outing, you know what I mean? With, mm-hmm. uh, to make friends with, with your family, to meet people, the community and stuff like that. So, you know, it's passed down to my mom and her sisters and, and, uh, and then my mom and her sister sang in that church choir. You okay. know? So my grandma's like playing yeah, so my grandma's playing organ, and then even when I was a kid, like like I remember going to church on Sundays with with my family, and my my grandfather was like the first one to stand up for every hymn and sing. And and grandma one, was like, still rocking the organ. She was rocking the organ Hell at this point, yeah. and my mom oh, and my yes. aunts were singing in the choir. So it was like it was a big thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, in, in my life. But I I was pretty young when I kind of came to the the not conclusion. Because there can never be, I, I feel like there can never really be one. But when I yeah. when I had decided that I didn't really want to go anymore, because like I kind of, not that I cracked some fucking code or anything, I just, right. I started to realize as a kid, I was just like, all right, so like, you're just teaching me to be a good person. I want to be a good person because I don't like, I don't like bad people. And I'm a right. kid and I don't know, I don't know shit, but like, I don't like it when my friends are mean to me. I don't like it when people are are you know do bad things like I, I like i like people to be good people i mean like, sure. i think life life is easier when that's the case yes and it's it's pretty easy to be nice and kind i mean you know sure it takes some energy but i think it's easier to be i still believe to this day it, it, it's it's a lot easier to be kind than it is to it takes a lot less energy to be kind than it does to be a dick so of course i still I mean, live that- by this code 
Was that hard for you? Like with that context with some pretty devout people in your family, when you like started pulling away from it, were were you met with any resistance? Not really, which was, which now looking back is kind of crazy to think, but no, everyone was, it wasn't a big deal. I, I, I just, at one point just remember being like, I get it. Like we're, we're there every week talking about kind of the same thing. And singing these songs that are all kind of you know like just pushing like be good be good be good like I'll, I'll be good like let me and this was also at the point where like you know as teenagers like we were i was starting to play music with friends and and i was you know i played like some sports before like we started the band when we were kid, we were kids we started this band that you know still into this day right so <laughs> right. all this was kind of happening at the same time and then i ended up i feel like just picking certain things over others and i picked everything over continuing to go to church every Sunday. <laughs> right, so right, right. I think I, I think maybe what happened is my family saw my my parents and my grandparents and whatever they saw me keeping busy with other stuff. And I wasn't like really getting into trouble, but I think the trouble I did get into as a kid, like I was pretty good at hiding it from my <laughs> Yeah. I can see the kind of trouble the kind of trouble you could probably got into, Chris. It was probably pretty good trouble. You're such, you know, it was pretty good guy. trouble. You're a yeah, sweet was, guy. I'm sure it was pretty good trouble. It wasn't like Brad's that. trouble, whatever he was up to in like, you know, in the late 60s in Maine or whatever was happening. Oh, <laughs> I had mescaline in the woods, whatever you were doing. Um, Damn. Benny, but, if, you, if I ever do get a Wikipedia page, I want you to write the whole thing. Just oh, done. Just total. Done. All your, your mythology is going to be. It's gonna yeah, be they're bad. all true. And no one will fact check it. No, It'll sit no. up there for years. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, you can't check facts that far back. There's no history yeah. written. Right. I love it. <laughs> right. So Chris, so when you, so from, from A to B, like, uh, in that context, when, when did you pick up the guitar? I started playing guitar in 98. I remember like going to start take guitar lessons in the fall, like October, I think, like sometime in the fall of 98. So I was 11. Um, okay, cool. I would have just turned 11 at that point, or I was about to turn 11, maybe if I'm right and thinking that it was October that year. Um, I mean, I guess I'd been kind of like messing around with a guitar here and there before that, but. Did you um, have guitars in the house or? My mom, my mom played piano and she had a, like a classical guitar. Okay. She played every once in a while, um, cool. but it was kind of more sitting in the corner collecting dust than the, than the piano was like she, she would play piano way more than, okay. than the guitar so i it was kind of always one hanging around but um there's a there was a, a music store in richmond hill ontario Tor- toronto burb that i grew up in called cosmo music and it's still in richmond hill to a, a larger degree now and like at the time that i started going there as a kid and showing an interest in playing music not only like listening to it it was a pretty small like mom and pop shop Okay. So it was cool, man. It was exciting. I would just go in there for what felt like the whole afternoon, like right. once a weekend, and just kind of stare at guitars and try to play them. And I'm left-handed, but I, at some point early on, just, I think there were just, there, it was probably just there were so few left-handed guitars in this store and that there just continued to be so few left-handed guitars kind of out there in general yeah. compared to, you know, right-handed that I just, I would play, I would try to play just regular right-handed guitar in the store. And then my folks got me a guitar for Christmas when I was, it, w- it would have been that same year. Uh, okay. So I was real young and yeah. And then after that, I just started taking lessons like, yeah, like every week. And, um, and was Scott it, what, did the same thing. 
he started the same time. Uh, we started okay. taking guitar lessons at the same time to start a band together. So you guys kind of vibed each other out even before you yeah. had the band. So yeah. so you and explain to me like how young were you were you all when you really met each other and knew each other? Like we're talking um, kids, kids, dude, kids, kids. I I met Scott the first day of kindergarten. Holy shit, that's so awesome! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Our moms, our moms introduced us. They're both teachers, so okay. They were, you know, they were not only teaching at their respective schools, but they were also part of like uh, before and after school programs and stuff like that. And Scott and I had afternoon kindergarten, so my mom was a part of this more it was basically like you know if you had afternoon kindergarten at the school then you go to this community center first in the morning and do like a kind of preschool kind of thing and then the bus would take you to the school down the street and then vice versa if you had morning class you'd go to this thing after just basically for like your parents are at work so you're taken care of all day Yeah, yeah so my mom was a part of that and she had met scott's mom somehow and uh yeah they introduced they introduced scott in the first day of kindergarten they're like here you go there's your there's your friend yeah for life i mean it's crazy that it worked out that way but they must feel easy. pretty proud of oh, that yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah i'm sure you I hear about so. that a little bit <laughs> yeah. So. yeah yeah man and then um in grade two john and i ended up in the same class and we were like going around the classroom the first day of school and everyone would like stand up from their desk and like say what street they lived on and like their favorite color and like shit like that. <laughs> and, uh john and i ended up you know discovering through that that we lived on the same street so that was cool ah, and then okay. we, dude from then on we until i moved away in grade eight or nine or something like that uh like moved away like down the fucking street right, right, <laughs> but, right, then, right. but then it feels but back then it felt like you know you're moving to like mars or something yeah. uh you know before i before that happened for so for years john and i walked to school together like every day wow it's so cool and when did uh, old Ramirez come in there? And then Paul came into the fold when we were about 12 years old. Okay. Scott and I, yeah, Scott and I went to this like music camp, like total, like, like <laughs> band camp shit, like total yeah, yeah. geeky nerd shit. But we were kids, so fucking <laughs> whatever. So, yeah, you were was, we went to like, yeah, we went to like rock and roll camp, essentially. So there was a guitar program and there was a bass program. There was a drum program, a vocal program, all this okay. stuff. And they would, you do your own lessons during the day and then they put you into a band. And then every night, or sorry, every day you'd learn a song with the band, and then every night you'd play it. Every night for five nights in a row, you'd play a show. You'd play one song. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty cool. And that's Scott and I had gone to that camp for one year, and then we were returning the second year in a row, and we met Paul. That's so And funny, uh, he, he, he grew up in a different town. So Scott and John and I grew up in Richmond Hill, and then Paul grew up in Brampton, which, same thing, like, isn't far. Yeah, But yeah. back then, felt like so far away. Sure, and, sure. Um, yeah, man, he just... He was a wicked drummer then and obviously continues to be. And we just all hit it off. And then like he would start coming to visit us in Richmond Hill. He'd take like two, three buses from his town. To nice, nice. When he was a kid and like come kick it at my, he would like always, he had a, he had a bedroom in my parents' basement. Um, no shit. Oh, wow. After a while. Yeah. So yeah. he'd come like hang out for the whole weekend. And then he just became like one of the crew in Richmond Hill. Like when we yeah. were all in high school and stuff. And was yeah. there a band, like, was there a, an idea before Flatliners or was it Flatliners from the get? 
There was a like yeah, there's a really short-lived idea that Scott What was that called? I, what was it called? <laughs> it was called <laughs> I'm trying to think if we've ever even talked about the name. Um it was called Short Notice. <laughs> okay. It's pretty I good. Mean, not not horrible, but definitely you can tell we were like 13 when we came up with the name. And pre- um yeah. Yeah. you know, we were 14 when we came up with the name Flatliner. So it's a little, you know, it's a little more uh refined, right? right? Yeah. Well, at <laughs> no. least you had the Kiefer Sutherland movie to go off yeah. of at that point. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, the movie that none of us have ever seen still yeah we made the pact man we can't it's a blood pact we can't we can't oh my god it. i didn't know about this pact oh. yeah wow so we all we we decided on the name and none of us had seen the movie but we <laughs> okay. named it obviously after the we named it after the movie and sure then, uh, right. and then we're like yeah but no, none of us have seen it so wow. if it sucks wouldn't that be a drag if we think that movie sucks so what's the easiest workaround you avoid it. Never <laughs> I love that. Never that's fucking funny, man. Pretty yeah. apropos, too, because that's one of the films that I think gave me my existential crisis. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's it's pretty weird, actually. I, I mean, it's corny as fuck. Take your word for it. Yeah, the vibe. Yeah. No, I won't tell you anything about it. I won't spoil <laughs> it for you, just in case you want to break your blood pack later in life. <laughs> um, that's so funny, man. But. So one thing I really want to get your perspective on, because, you know, you sort of have like an interesting, um, you know, maybe I should say like sociological uh, input onto like our world, because as you've said, you were sort of raised by it, you know, like, yeah, you know, by some point in high school, you had convinced yourself that, um you know, you were going to do this and you were a hundred percent serious about it. And not long after I met you, you know, yeah. To, yeah, like dude. touring with you, you know. when you were maybe what, like 18, 19 years old. Um, yeah. you guys were already like full on doing the thing, you know, had your thing going and, uh, people knew who you were. So the thing that, that I really want to get into is like, I know you even wrote about it in one of your more recent songs, that song feel, mm, yeah. um, kind of about how, like the difficulty in like maintaining lasting relationships and, you know, it's complicated and the things you have to do. And, you know, so many of your relationships with the exception of your band have been built basically what on the road from when you were a kid until now. Mm -hmm. So, so how do you think that's like changed or, or guided your perspective on um, how to keep people close, who you can trust Who's really your friend? Who's not? Like, how have you learned to navigate that? Um, man, that's a good question. I, I think that honestly, at a certain point, um, not that I realized it was happening, but I just like kind of started operating on the basis of like, you know, if 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 someone's, uh, it may like you know, if you come across someone doing this kind of work or you know, living your life this way of moving around a lot mean a lot of people and a lot of like-minded people you know um, yeah, but yeah. if if you know if you if you encounter someone who reveals themselves either at first like immediately or over time to be you know not a person that you uh necessarily would love to spend time with or <laughs> agree with their opinion or whatever you know what i mean if you yeah, don't sure. if you don't align well together or whatever it is you're probably not going to be spending you know more than you know a night together yeah, on tour sure. yeah, right. <laughs> or like a couple weeks or something like that but that being said it's been so rare that that has happened in my life and i think right. and i don't know if that's just me being lucky and, and just trying to like be uh you know 
just trying to treat people the way I want to be treated or if it's just me, you know, with like hanging out with blinders on the whole time. I mean, we've been, I mean, the dudes in flat started so young that we had, there was so much opportunity for people out there to not take us seriously and just think of us as kids and, you know, take advantage of us and stuff like that. And like, while that might be true that it's happened, I don't really believe that it has happened that much or Hmm. it did happen that much. If it did, we didn't really realize. Right. And uh, we got, through through living this life and meeting all these people and just yeah getting really getting to it like right out of high school and like keeping busy up until fucking really recently we got an education you know what i mean that not a lot of people get and uh, yeah that's fact. i think like I, I go back to that a lot you know what i mean because it is like a very this way of living is is it's it's kind of, it's unique you know what I mean? like sure. dude, m- millions of people do this but it's still a unique way to live i think yeah Cause you're just hustling all the time and you're always moving. And, uh, I don't know. It is, it is, it is tricky though, because like, especially with that song feel like that was basically like me sitting back at one point and like kind of thinking like, damn, like my twenties, I was just gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I was, right. I was away. I missed everything at home pretty much. I sure. mean, like as much as, as much as you can check in from the road to, to reality back home, like you can do that, but like, you're not there. So you're only really, you're reading the news. You're like, you're, 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 you're catching a headline and that's, that's it. You're not, you're not living it. Right. So that was like something that's just, I started thinking about a lot last year. Cause like, you know, the flats weren't touring a lot, but I was still on the road a lot. And I was like, right. oh, this is just my, this is just my life. Like, this is just what I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? So it was just one of those moments where I just kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I, I wrote that song quickly to be honest and then i didn't want to sit on it so i just put it out and i was glad i did that because it was cool to like i mean a lot of people who write songs probably get real fired up about something good or bad put it in a song and then you gotta wait like two years to put it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was feeling that way then i still feel that way now you know what i mean it's 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 weird to think that i was away for so long of such a formative time in my life but you know the flip side to that is that i got to live this i've i've been able to live this incredible dream of yeah, mine sure. that, you know, like Scott and I meet the first day of kindergarten, John and <laughs> yeah. Paul and all of us, we meet as kids and then we start doing this together. And here we are, you know what I mean? Still not this year, but still doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's, there's, there's ups and downs, man. There's, there's, there's the back and forth of everything. And I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> well, you're, a gra- you're a graduate from from van university that's a fact yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly i mean i guess the thing i was really getting at and, and maybe i'm projecting because it's something i've experienced but it's like um you know one of the things i've had to reconcile about choosing to live this life for so long is like like you said i've like you i've seldom walked away from these situations where you're thrown into a group with other people like-minded people people you're touring with it's usually fun and it's yeah. usually good and yeah. it's usually light. But to me, yeah. there, there is an aspect of it where it's like, it's like dating. It's like, you know how in like the first two months of dating, you get to just present the best side of yourself <laughs> to the other person. <laughs> yeah. And so do they. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. You can sort of like frame who you are in a new way. And it's like mm-hmm. this new introduction and somebody's impressed by you and somebody's, you know, like, like it, it's fresh. And, oh, yeah, and it, yeah. it sort of gets, uh, the relationship gets taken away before it has the chance to go to a level past that. And that, oh, yeah. you're talking that's like kind of fucked week, me up. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking like a three-week tour and everyone's like just getting to like, maybe you've seen 
like one or two people in like the other few bands you're on tour with, like have like a real moment of right, like, like have a bad stress day or like, yeah, just the bad. Exactly. You just, you just witness someone having a bad day, but then all of a sudden it's over. And then you're like, all right, Hey, it was great to meet you. That's right. <laughs> and you that, never, you never fun. actually have to like get to see it. And, yeah. and that's where I wonder, like, you know, if you've experienced that at all, I guess, you know, uh, I think it just, it, it just led me to like, have to have to have a level of of questioning as to what I appreciate out of people, what people appreciate out of me, and what's real, and what friendships yeah. are actually real, yeah. and you know who's calling me because they need a tour, or who's calling me because they want to you know keep me on the line here for something in the future, or who actually gives a fuck about my life? Yeah, you know who who, who actually had a good time on the date. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah like, so i guess yeah. that's the point i'm making like have you had to reconcile with that at all um yeah yeah absolutely of course i mean like i feel like you and i have had you know very similar like we both started so young and like got yeah. so busy so young and stuff that as much as it just becomes a part of who you are and how you operate and just what you do yeah 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 because i mean you know like the moment you you take even a, a breather from it, uh, I, I feel like at least for me, like things just kind of start, like the the reflection starts or something, and I start mm. thinking about all of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's impossible, I think, to do this and not kind of grapple with that sometimes because you meet so many people. I think just as far as sheer volume goes, you just yeah, meet so right, many people, right, so you gotta, right. You know what I mean? But I don't know how I, many like, stories what, can you process? Yeah, Jesus Christ! I mean, yeah. fuck, how much time is there in one day? <laughs> But, but no, I mean, for real, it's uh, going back to what you were saying, uh, you, you referred to it, you know, like it usually being fun and light and stuff. And like, man, it's not always that way. And but but now if if you can be in a position of uh, I don't know if it's a position of, you know, you're not in more control now than you were then because you're never really in control of this kind of thing. But just meaning like you people, the fans are in control of this because they're the ones coming mm. to the show. Like yeah. if no one comes, your night's gonna suck because the show's not gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. completely out of our hands. We all we could do is try to fucking rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah the basics. But, yeah, 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 man. But you know, I think, um, I think that in there somewhere is at this point. I mean, sorry, uh, in there somewhere is just like a yearning now, just to be like, man, like we've kind of checked a lot of boxes. Like I m- maybe I should just say myself personally, like check a lot of boxes with like what I want to do with music, which is like a really amazing feeling. So at this point it's gotta be light and fun and just like, what else are we doing it for? You know what I mean? Especially <laughs> yeah. after, especially after this year and maybe next sure. year and who who knows when, when it comes back, what it's really going to look like, Yeah, you know, like famous last words, but I don't know if the flats are ever going to do like a drive-in show. I just don't know if we're one of those bands. I don't know yeah. if it would translate well. <laughs> I kind of like sometimes this year, I wish we were, yeah. confidently one of those bands because then it would be fun to play a show but i feel sure. like it would just feel weird i don't yeah, know yeah it's funky um you need yeah, people you jumping off stage and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and uh anyways like when it when it comes back i think i think it's there's gonna be a gravity to it uh sure. but it might just yeah. be like maybe like feel a little more like sacred or something like that i could see but that, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be it's <laughs> yes. it's gonna be so i feel like this is hopefully gonna open a lot of people's eyes to 
this is this is like I'm certainly one of these people who you know just like we're living tunnel vision like just touring like crazy like crazy like crazy sure and like I know about myself at this point after having spent all these last months at home uh, not being able to get out there and do like what I really love to do that um, I know that if this pandemic never happened that I would have been on tour all year you yeah, know what I mean and right. it, like it took the whole fucking world shut down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get the clue of like, yo, you don't have to do this like every, you know, weekend yes. or, or all year long. So it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's hard, man. You know, it, it, it is like, it's, it's, it's weird being home for so long. This is the longest I've been home in man, fucking since the band started, probably. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird to think. I mean, and it's just such ups and downs. Like this past summer was the first summer I've been home in over a decade. And it was, yeah bizarre but it was great and then you know summer kind of gets you know is drawing to a close and then at that point I'm, i feel kind of guilty that i had so much fun at home <laughs> right? <laughs> right. because like usually i'm out there like you know playing shows and like dude i don't know it's it, it's it's such a bizarre year but yeah man i think um i think that that like it is a really stressful way to live as well doing this for sure. a living and uh you know, because like you are, we're so dependent on interpersonal relationships, whether it's, you know, this, uh, um, mo- more momentary thing of like, let's say a few days or a few weeks on tour with other bands and you're getting to know each other. Then if an actual friendship sparks, that's great. You got each other's phone number. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like keep in touch. Um, you can do it. It's amazing. Like, and anyone can just pick up the phone and do it. Uh, yeah. yeah. but you know, on the other hand, like you're really, you're whether you believe it or not or whether you feel it or not like you are dedicated and you are like forced you know into this loyalty with these people in your band and for me luckily it's never really felt like i've been forced into it and it's just kind of existed that way and been that way with these guys because they're just my dudes for my whole life yeah family yeah absolutely so it's like i'm super lucky for that um but there's always another side and there's bands that you know it's it's more work and it's uh it's a job and even though i'm lucky in that it's it's friendship and it's family and it's and it's a job and it's it's fun to do and all this stuff but um it doesn't really uh i don't know it never really like felt like wow we were real real busy it never felt like we were just kind of clocking and clocking out it was just we were having a pretty good time and then before we knew it fucking like 10 years have gone by yeah sure dude, dude i still remember playing at the milestone with with gaslight like on your yeah. birthday yeah i fucking yeah. remember that shit like that was, it was forever ago and I yeah literally it's it's also it's funny you guys always remember that show and i always remember it too because it's among <laughs> the top five worst shows i've ever played yes. like in my life happy I, birthday yeah it was my <laughs> so so the context there was we had been touring for like, I don't remember what, two, three months, like straight, like something mm-hmm. pretty wild. And the last run of it brought us to Fest. Mm-hmm. I think it was at 07, 08, that probably, when we yeah, did those probably. shows, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and then we got like a late offer. Someone hit us up being like, do you want to do like five shows with the Flatliners? on the way back from fest. Mm. 
And you Dude, know, I we think, I, I think it was Brian and I were emailing. I think maybe I hit up Brian on like yeah, like from the flats MySpace to the gas. Right. Line. Yeah, no, it was some DL shit. Yeah, no, yeah, this yeah, wasn't yeah. like booking yeah. agents talking to each yeah. other. Definitely not. Yeah. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah, like that sounds fun. And it always sucks getting home from there. And like, yeah, let's try to figure something out. And I remember it was like three days before fest, and we're like, oh my God, we want to go home. Like, like we were like at that, yeah, like dude. dead to rights, like point of tour, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And then we got to Gainesville and did the fest for the first time and we ripped it, you know, like we had a weekend oh, yeah. as anybody does the first time they're down there. So the idea of playing like bar shows in the Gulf of Florida with you guys. Yeah, we went to some weird spots. We were in like Fort yeah. Myers. We were in yeah. some fucking. We played at a. I remember like um, uh, some bar with a uh, mechanical bull. Um, yeah, that that place was one of the only places that my fake ID didn't work ever. Our home. <laughs> we made these. We made these homemade fake IDs from the Northwest territories. Cause the idea was everyone, a lot of, a lot of like security guards. Yeah, they're like, what is like, this? Door yeah. staff would maybe see like a Toronto idea or a Montreal, Vancouver, like, you know, like the classics. Yeah. Uh, right. As far as being bigger Canadian <laughs> cities and places. Yeah. But yeah. We're our, our friend who will remain, you know, he'll, he'll remain nameless. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's, he might still be liable for some. Sure. Sure. I'm not sure what the crime is. But yeah. But so <laughs> I remember, I, yeah. So we got to the milestone, which is like, yeah. it's like the CBGBs of Charlotte. It's like yeah. this old school, weird mm-hmm. punk bar in the middle of nowhere in Charlotte. It is Charlotte, right? Yeah. 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 And but this was like at the end of this little run coming back from the fest. So I was just like fried, like toasted. And I'm like, it's my birthday. I'm like, my band doesn't give a fucking shit. You know, Gaslight is one of the least (laughs) celebratory bands ever. So like having a birthday on tour with Gaslight was always like half a bummer. So like, so I'm out there and I'm like, ah, it sucks. So I got drunk before the show. Cause I like never got drunk before shows. And I remember they had some weird beer there called old chub. That was like eight or 9% alcohol. And I just slammed a bunch of them, played this awful show, barely broke down my drums and like jumped in the van and woke up somewhere in like Virginia, like on our way oh, home. Dude. I just like, yeah. I fucked yeah, you guys, it. I you fucked guys it that like last right one. That show was done. <laughs> it was we pretty played, We played the, we played the hook game in the bar for like two hours. Oh, the, the hook game. Right. Yeah. And you, and you had, and you had already, I think we were the reigning champ. And then, yeah, I remember the show started and like a couple more people trickled in. So it was pretty much just flats <laughs> watching gaslight and gaslight. Watching yes. Flats. Yeah, it definitely was. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, was. Happy birthday. Buddy. Yeah. Happy fucking birthday. It was funny <laughs> shit, man. So this is a perfect time to get into a segment of the show called mystery friend. All right. Are you familiar with this segment, Chris? I am. I, I've been. I've been. I've been keeping up on the show. Okay, it's been okay. fun recently. Listening to I, it, I could tell I've you've been... been a listener of the program, so I'm not going to give you the whole okay. the whole rundown. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so this is the story I was told. Okay, you're on tour. You're in California, particularly Los Angeles, playing at the the Roxy, and as okay. you know, most bands do at the end of a night like that, you went to the Rainbow Room mm-hmm. for drinks. And apparently you ran into a famous celebrity's son. Mm-hmm. 
and and said something weird to him and he cursed you out well can you tell me the story oh please? yeah oh okay. yeah so okay yeah we played <laughs> man this was let me see if i can access this part of my brain i'm usually decent at this i think this was the cavalcade record release tour okay and I, if and if that's true then it was broadway calls and cobra skulls and oh. flats Fun and tour. after the show, yeah, it was great. And after Fun the boys. show, we went to the Rainbow Room, and we were walking back to the van to go wherever we were sleeping that night. And I was, I was pretty loose. And all of a sudden, I don't even remember his name now, but Gene Simmons' son. Uh, <laughs> Wait, all of uh, he's, he's, Jack? It, no, that's Ozzy Osbourne's son. Is it son. Alex? Is it Alex? Maybe? Or, no, Nick. Nick Simmons. Nick. Nick, Nick Simmons, Simmons. That's right. Because yeah, you know yeah. we've all seen the Family Jewels. So. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like it was kind of like that was the era where that show was on tv all the time so all of a sudden i've seen this dude in front of me and he's like i mean i'm six one he's like seven feet tall or something oh okay. he's real tall he's like real tall so and, he plays um, he and, plays that big in real life okay <laughs> yeah yeah all right or i was just like so drunk that i was already like hunched over kind of like bent i don't know <laughs> i'm not sure but but i'm looking up at him and like all of a sudden i'm just like yeah i'm looking up at this guy i'm like oh no shit dude you're Gene Simmons' son. And then he just... <laughs> so I don't know if I said anything that fucked up to him. I just told him something that every other asshole on earth <laughs> right. says to him. Sure, sure. When they come across this guy, and he just said, fuck you, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> away. Point yeah. blank. Point blank, dude. That did was, he that like... Was, yeah, did he like... Uh, was it like aggressive where he like turned to you and like pointed a finger? Or was it more like... I'm walking by and throwing that at you. It was a, it was a kind of a mixed bag because there was definitely like there was like a delivery to like the 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 fuck you know what I mean? There yeah, was like, like a real there was a real like shot. Yeah, he like uh, wasn't about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I I felt it. I felt it from from top to tail, man. It was uh yeah that was <laughs> when I was and I think like and what did you do? Were you just like oh whoa. Oh yeah, like, I was, dude. I was like, I was like floating through that little area between like the Rainbow Roof and the Roxy. I was like, probably, I probably was like already like moving away from from this situation. Maybe I was being moved away from it. I'm not sure what was going on. But I mean, yeah, were you was, like uh, talking to the boys, being like, "Yo, Gene Simmons' son just said fuck you to me." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the the tricky thing was that like no, none of my dudes were there when it happened, so they were all like, oh, "Really." <laughs> oh no yeah one of those oh, so wait yeah, so a, let me what a, what a hollywood moment what a let hollywood me ask moment. you this though in that moment say hypothetically you gave him sort of like an emphatic fuck you back mm. do you think you think fisticuffs <laughs> oh man at that point he must have had people there with him that i just like didn't see and i had blinders on too and if i yeah i think if i would have said anything back to him oh yeah but i would have been i would have gone down instantly you know what i mean like it wouldn't it wouldn't have taken much it would it still they still doesn't (laughs) how do you know i mean some people with a couple drinks go the other way you can just you can beat and beat on them and they never go down you could be one of those true that's true. I mean, he's he's taller than me. He'd be punching down. I, I mean, maybe like literally and metaphorically. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I think you'd have an advantage in a bunch of ways. I really do. Maybe. But we don't have to maybe. get into that. Um, <laughs> what the Vegas odds would be on that? Well, that's fucking funny. Um, yeah. So so now you have to tell me which mystery friend of yours gave me this information. 
I, I mean, just knowing like us being friends and, 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 and me being aware of your relationships with people that may have been there for that, whether I remember them being there or not, or at yeah. least someone that was definitely there the, the moment later when I was definitely telling the story long and loud. I think it was probably Mr. Paul Ramirez until sure you was sure was yeah. Was <laughs> yeah wonderful <laughs> wonderful use of deduction. It was I, Paul I knew, Ramirez. I knew, I knew the yeah. drum club would begin. You know you know how it goes. You know how <laughs> it goes. Right, that's right. The only the only numbers I take home from tours are drummers and people who like basketball. That seems that's to be right. the only ones that that I actually hang out with after tours. Now, that's a pretty good crew. Part of the reason I wanted to do this, okay, is because as you said. You have a great drummer in your group, a uniquely great mm-hmm. drummer. So yeah. I would like this segment to be a Paul Ramirez appreciation segment. <laughs> okay. Okay? We All don't right. do this often. I just want to give a little love to Paul. From my end, one of the sweetest guys I know, he effortless, effortlessly plays punk rock. He plays like a genre of drums that I call stoner punk that not <laughs> everyone can do. He's super fast, but he sort of floats right on top of it where it's smooth. Mm-hmm. And then the cymbals in the sky, he's got his whole thing. I love him. Can you just give me some words oh, of, of love for Absolutely. Paul Ramirez? I mean, you're already nailing it, but I'll say this. He plays drums like a storm cloud because everyone sees storm clouds roll and they say, oh, no. Oh, no, the storm is here. <laughs> clouds still float, everybody. They're still floating <laughs> in the sky. And that's what he's doing. If he's bringing the pain, if he's bringing the, the speed and the aggression, it's, 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 it's that storm cloud. Just, but he's, you know, he, if he's doing all that gnarly shit, he's still just, flo- he's still just floating up there. Oh, you know? Yeah. He really is, man. And he's got, I mean, everyone that's ever seen the Flats play live in the last 10 years, because I think that's maybe kind of when it started, the symbol, the symbol thing he got, he's got going on is uh it's brilliant it really is it's 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 a genius move in in the way to play drums properly and to like do something good for your body and do something good for your drums and i'm not going to get into how exactly because if you ever meet paul ramirez and you ask him he would love to tell you he'd love to tell you <laughs> that's true that's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> a geyser he's, conversation he's, on that. Yeah. he's proud he's he's proud of it though he should be it's cool man like i i get to I don't get to watch him play drums when we play shows, right? But like, obviously, I'm I'm turned around. He's just basically staring at my butt every time we play a show. Oh, yeah. But yeah. you know, you know that life, man. You know that life. But it's oh, that's there's what something we do. about <laughs> yeah, man. There's something about never having to worry, right? Um, sure, sure, sure. And it's it's it and and honestly, not to take away from him, but the same goes for for John and Scott too. Anyone I'm playing music with, really, I've been very lucky with this over the years. That like. Like with him, like with him, I I never have to worry about uh, like him playing well. I mean, not that that's ever even a concern, but he's just he's he's really good what he does, man. Like to just put it plainly, he really is. The funny thing is, I know now after knowing him for like more than you know half my life that uh, I know when he smoked too much weed before we played a show because every song is real slow. <laughs> and uh, I know when he didn't get to smoke enough weed or the weed wasn't strong enough because every song's real fast. <laughs> but it always sounds good. And <laughs> it always that's, feels good. Of course. The feel right is what's important. That's yeah. the important part. Oh, that was a good Paul Ramirez appreciation <laughs> segment. I like uh, yeah. it. All right. So I'm imagining you at home, you're releasing like a lot of songs on, you know, doing the, the stuff with Bandcamp and your solo stuff. 
what what kind of um kind of writer are you like uh at home do you do you plug away every day are you scheduled do you need like rushes of creativity like h- how do you operate and and create um i'm not very like disciplined in it uh like okay. I, I don't have much of a schedule uh but i know it works for some folks and and it's not that it hasn't worked for me in the past but I, I feel like usually the the best stuff comes out of me or just the, the most organically comes out of me in like spurts like that. Okay. Um, now I'm still usually like, you know, I would like, m- like several times a week I'll, I'll find myself writing down either lyrics or, or a riff or a melody, you know what I mean? Like getting stuff down. But when I sure. really like want to dig into a song and like write something and really work on something like it usually happens in spurts. Okay. Um, so I can always go back to those little pieces, those little scraps that I've got laying around. Uh, and I'm lucky that I've got a bunch of those. Um, sure. that, like at that point I can, there's a little structure in the, in the spurts because I can go back to that and kind of elaborate and some, you know, put some of them together and see what kind of fits and right, shit like right. that. But that, that work really happens in, in, in chunks. Yeah. Okay. So you have like a wave, you ride a wave. Yeah, totally. Totally. And can you like feel it coming? Like, you know, like you're like, oh, it's Tuesday. I'm gonna be riding. <laughs> I'm gonna be riding till like Friday. I mean, dude, there's been a lot of waves this year. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel it. I feel it a lot when there's just, I don't know, like when there's just shit going on. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right, it's, right. Uh, it's, it's, it's when I can, you know, really set the time aside to like sit down and kind of organize the thoughts. But the thoughts are always going. So, right. Uh, any in a year like, not that I'm like gonna come out with. A, like a covid record i'm not gonna i'm not gonna van morrison anyone uh, <laughs> with <this> shit, but, <laughs> chris but, creswell uh, you know, presents covid yeah, yeah, <laughs> Andy, Andy, have you heard that no oh, have you no. heard it? Dude, don't do it don't i don't do think it. i'm going oh, to no. don't do it no i'm oh, good on that man, i'm good man. on that. i don't know what happened anyways um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways I, uh, yeah i don't know man let's just you know it, when when there's a lot of stuff that's going on whether in the world around me or my life that's that's under my skin that's like i can feel when i when i really feel like my fucking blood boiling is like i i kind of can now i now know about myself that like around the corner is going to be some songs ah. <laughs> but it's weird because there's this it's like a cyclical thing sometimes where um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the only person who's ever thought this, who writes lyrics or even just plays music and writes songs. Uh, at, at a certain point, I got to stop and wonder if I'm like creating this problem in my head in order right. to write about it, in order sure. to express this thing and feel, like access this, this thing that I do that really makes me feel like me, you know, right, right, but then right. am I putting myself through this emotional ringer or like just these mental gymnastics to, in order to exercise that. <laughs> so if, if that's the case, I'm the one building the, the, uh, the problem up in my own head in order to exercise the demon or, or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's, right, sure. it's, it's, it's bizarre, man. It's bizarre sometimes yeah. to really stop and think about that. Um, seen a lot of people end, do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and in the end, like it's, if what you get out of it is you can express yourself and, and get that feeling off your chest. And like I said, like make yourself feel like yourself. That's great. Uh, but I'm trying to like, I I've never been so mindful of that as I have recently. And I think mm. it's just all the time at home. You yeah. Know I mean? Right. Right. Uh, and it's, and it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's really cool. I think it's a, I think it's an exciting part of growing as a songwriter. It's like sure. kind of calling myself maybe on 
some of my own shit. And if I'm writing about the world around me and my life and stuff like that, then if, if that's able to help me grow as a songwriter, that'll probably help me grow as a person too. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I think so. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also, um, it's your way of receiving the world just changes. You know what I mean? It changes from your twenties to your thirties to your forties and the great songwriters, you know, let you know, that you're going through those changes, you know, they let you know, like, here's where I am now. And I do think, I do think every, every singer or songwriter has to come to grips with the thing you're coming to grips with. It's like, it's like the beginning of high fidelity. It was, am I miserable because of the music or, you (laughs) know, like that, that bit. Or or did the music make me miserable? Exactly. Like, you know, and if, yeah, but I think, it's definitely takes like a getting over the hump where you you need to live, you know, you need to live and you can't be pained all the time in your everyday existence to live because you want to live like a decent life. So if you don't want to be one of those artists who can never settle into their own life, Mm-hmm. then yeah you can keep creating like that but there are other ways to find it there's more yeah absolutely you know, man um, absolutely. It, it doesn't, I, uh, doesn't have to go there no and i i i really do feel like i kind of unlocked something uh, in myself as a songwriter and just as a musician and stuff in the last like few years and i, I think it started with working on the flats last record and like the record it became kind of like all of a sudden unbeknownst to us even the people like writing it like we were just writing this record and then all of a sudden we'd finished it up and realized like it was a a pretty different vibe than the things we'd done before but it felt really good Mm. and like it was you know like there are people out there that that really got on board and there are people that were very confused by it because it was so different i can see both sides but for me and for us as a band uh you know it felt really good because it was just kind of like Oh damn! I just felt like this big exhale of just like we kind of pulled this off the way we mm. wanted to, and we weren't trying to do anything. We just kind of did it. And uh, I don't know something about that record, man. And like ever since then, it's just been it's it it really feels like I got something off my chest in like a really positive way. Even though there's like a lot of dark <laughs> negative shit on of that course, record, like yeah. just lyrically. I mean, they're always I think we'll be in like the style of writing I do, but yeah, it just it it just helped a lot. Interesting. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I've I've never had like all the records we made before that I, I I love them all and I've been so proud of them. But there was just something about that one, maybe just that it was so different stylistically, and it just felt good when it was done. That's you know? awesome. It, it, yeah, it helped. It helped the process and helped me look at what I want to do with music. Um, there's no grand vision. I just mean like song by song at this point, writing new stuff for flats for solo stuff, like just music in general, like what what I can do, what I, what I can allow myself to do at this point, And like what I want to try to do that I haven't done yet. Um, sure. I don't know, man. I, you get so caught up in, or I, I maybe was getting real caught up in, in uh, like you have this tunnel vision when you're just touring and touring so much that um, I don't know, at a certain point, it's just kind of like, I just want to like, it's just music. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> right. it's, just, man, it's, just it's so dumb to put it that way at the end of the day, but really it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's supposed to be about fun and like, if you're making art, just kind of just keep pushing it, man. And if it makes you feel a, a certain way, cool. You know, yeah. if, if, if it doesn't, I'm clearly not the first person to have this thought, but if it doesn't really make you feel a certain way anymore, 
maybe you said all you had to say. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Not, 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 not to, not to suggest that those people should stop, but I just mean, you know, I'll suggest uh, that I'll go ahead and suggest there's enough fucking musicians out there. If you got nothing to say anymore, start a fucking cover band. I can drink light beers too, or just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Pass the mic. Pass the mic. There's plenty of youth behind you. Go, go mow your lawn or something. Oh my God. So in the last couple of years, um, with, with hot water and your experience, with you know chris and chuck and guys like that has that how's that changed your understanding of music or approach to songwriting or anything like um has that added added to this growth you're talking about yeah 100 percent, man it was it was a trip starting to be get involved with with hot water music just because it kind of, it just, it, it happened all of a sudden. It really did. Right. And then it, ju- and then it kept happening and it just, it, there was, there was this pace to it. That was, uh, it, I don't know. It was, I mean, I grew up loving this band and I'm such a fan. And then now all of a sudden, like I'm, 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 I'm in it and I'm there with them doing this, playing these shows and singing these songs that I've grown up loving. It's, it's a 100 and fucking 50% trip. <laughs> right. And, uh, but you know, it was also the first time in ever that I really like traveled with another band and played mm, with another right. band. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to like go out and do a bunch of solo touring and stuff over the years too, with like with buddies and stuff, which is great. But it's what we were talking about earlier. It's like you do the few weeks and it was awesome, but then everyone kind of goes back to, the other thing they do. Um, yes. Yes. And whereas with, with the hot water music, uh, dudes, it, it just, they were just so welcoming and made like, they made sure that I felt as comfortable as I could. And, um, they made me feel very comfortable. It was just the gravity of the situation to me was a lot and it of continues course. to be, but in a positive way, I, I mean, of course, and yeah, man, I've learned a lot from those guys. I mean, like, I think the the thing I've learned the most is like resilience. Like that band's mm. been through a lot. And, sure. Uh, yeah. You know, and this is a pretty unique point in the band's history where things are at and how things are now. And, uh, right. but it's, it's positive. You know what I mean? Like they, that, that band, those, those people have made the absolute most of, you know, like what they want to do and how they want to operate and, and what they want to accomplish, man. And like, for me to get to be able to be there for it is incredible. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, it's the timing of things, uh, was just worked out to be, uh, luckily just pretty, um, it, pr- pretty cooperative with like what the flats were, were doing then. And, 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 you know, like going forward, whenever fucking bands play shows again, like it'll continue to be, and you know, it's, it's, crazy um there was a point in my life where i realized i was on tour a lot and i was kind of like man maybe like we kind of all the dudes in flats felt that we were like we'd made a decision to like take a year off the road at one point which was last which which became last year Mm -hmm. and uh we were like you know like this is our time man we're five records deep like we were a year and a half into touring inviting lane and we were like that's that's the that's the thing that's the touring cycle for that record like we've gone everywhere like you know uh so we're good like maybe now we finally like chill for a minute because we haven't since we started this band (laughs) in 2002 and uh well good move you didn't think uh that was gonna be uh never ending (laughs) did you (laughs) oh my god man oh my god but yeah it was uh 
you know, there was, it was just like around that time, it was what we all were kind of like, yeah, we should do this for like all, like for each other, for ourselves, for the band, like everything. It'd be good. Like it'd be good, like reward after so many years on the road. Like let's just chill. You know what I mean? Let's be real people for a year and then we'll get back in the van and be freaks again and all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it was, dude, it was literally like right around that time that the, that the flats thing looked like it was winding down just momentarily. Right. At the, right. the hot water thing. <laughs> just up popped and, right up. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I took it as just the, I don't know, the universe trying to tell me something just like, just, just sure. keep playing music. Now, is, <laughs> just there, keep doing it. is there anything like, like you sit down with a guitar, you sit down with a pen and you're like, Oh, you know, like this is the way, like, chuck does it i'll give it a try or like this is the way chris does it i'll give it a try like are there actual like functional like writing methods or styles that that you've picked up from from that crew i mean i yeah i think so but i think it started before my involvement with them because the because one of the real trippy things about being a fan of this band and the now being a part of it is that when i was in, in the beginning of my involvement with with hot water i was I knew these songs, but I never really like tried to sit down and play a lot of them on the guitar. Right. And so much of Chuck and, and Chris's uh, guitar playing on certain records, especially are like, it's kind of hard to decipher who's playing what. And it's, it, it's because yeah. they, they, yeah. They, they come together it's in such true. a cool, unique, yeah. right? Like their styles come together in this cool, unique way that they really complement each other, but really make it sound like kind of one thing. Yeah. That's uh, a so good hard, point. That's to, like the hot water yeah. music game when you listen to them is like, which one's Chris? Which one's Chuck? Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. To the point where, like, I'm trying to learn songs off No Division, and they literally played the same amp. They both played the same <laughs> amp with the same settings on that record. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know if that was their call, if it was like Walter Schreifel's just being like, "We got one amp." For this yeah, record. this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. um, that was that was a, it was it was a, a challenge, but it was it was really fun. And through that, I honestly started to discover. I was like, "Oh yeah, I feel like I'd play that like that too." Like. If I were, uh, yeah. it's easy to conceptualize this shit. Like once you're sitting down with a record that's like 20 years old, sure, you're like, sure. this is how I would have done it. But, <laughs> but, but it really did feel, even though some of that shit is crazy, like to play, um, I really did feel like this is familiar territory. And I don't know. I feel like flats have been, I mean, in my songwriting with certain flat songs has been ripping off hot water music since like the great awake. <laughs> so, right, 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 right. I don't know, man. So it's almost yeah, like you it, just uh, slipped right into it there. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just part of the zeitgeist now or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's really funny, man. Uh, I love it. Well, listen, Chris, that I've had you almost 90 minutes. I love you. I appreciate it. But Love there's too, two things I need to ask you about before we get out of here that are on my okay. list. Okay. Okay. Yeah. First, and this is just a funny one. Do you know one of the first things if you Google your name is the fact that you are on a Reddit thread called Alt Lady Boners? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I'm Googling what? right you now. You don't know about this. I don't know about this. <laughs> oh, so so you give it a quick Google and I see this a backslash alt lady boners Chris Creswell. I'm like, all right, let's give that let's give that a click. And it turns out there's a thread on Reddit. I, I suppose I don't want to get too into it since I'm a man, but it's I'm guessing it's alternative ladies who have metaphorical boners 
Four sexy tattooed punk rock and goth guys. And you made the list, boy. Wow. Oh, I've always wanted to be a goth. That's perfect. So you are on a subreddit for for basically women who like cute punk rock guys who sometimes wear eyeliner and have tattoos and stuff. Wow. Old well, lady I mean, boners, no, what but if, what if I told you that I was the one who started? That's old right. lady boners. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we're talking about appropriation, a whole nother. I don't even. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Come on. This wasn't is 2020. We don't need more on the pile, Chris. Um, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but yeah. So give that give that a Google when wow. you get off the interview. Just the just oh, to you see. Know you will because it's God it's damn. funny. I don't, but I don't want you to be disappointed. You haven't been commented on much in there, but you made Damn, it, kid. Dude. You made it, kid. Right. You made the list. That's the hey, important part. Yeah. That's all, all right. that counts. All right. <laughs> We're going to close the show on the most important thing that I need to get out of you socioculturally as a Canadian mm-hmm. Tim Hortons versus Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> They're both awful. What? <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, oh. Here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Nah, I'm here's just offended. Thing. I'm I'm upset. I, I asked the question. <laughs> I understand, but I gotta be real with you, man. We've known each other right, a please. long time. Yo, be real, Dude, real. Be real, real. Dudo's Dudo's coffee sucks. Okay. Okay. Fair. Tim, it's okay. Their donuts though are good. Yeah, real they good. Got good donuts. So that's Tim Hortons donuts. Tim Hortons donuts not suck. good. And well, now I'm trying to just, I'm kind of figuring out as I'm saying it, it's like Tim Horn's coffee sucks too. So I guess yeah, Dudo's Dunkin Donuts is kind of, kind of by default, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll stand up for one. The one thing I'll stand up for Dunkin Donuts coffee is like, all right, I'll use a music metaphor since we have a music show here. Mm-hmm. Dunkin Donuts coffee is like Lars Ulrich's drumming. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you it's great. Okay. Right. But I know exactly what it is every time I hear or taste it. Sure, sure. Dunkin' Donuts coffee is very memorable. The second you taste it, you're like, this is Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's yeah. the same exact thing every time you've tasted it for like 20 years. So I'll give it that. Maybe it puts weird symbol hits on strange places. Maybe yeah, it makes weird, kind of you know, things. the same tinny flavor as his snare drum. On yeah. Anger. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they take some weird chances. You know, yeah. you don't need a mint mocha maple chocolate harvest shake at Dunkin Donuts. How many which, flavors do you need in the morning? Fuck. Uh, you should have two, two tops. Yeah. Start two, your day simple. Two tops. That's yeah. That's it. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, here I, I will. I, 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 be remiss if I didn't leave on a positive note about Dudo's. Okay. Yes, please. Uh, the salt bagel at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh huh. Maybe it's a weird choice. Maybe there's a lot of people out there right now being like, you know what? I'm finally turning this off just before the outro. <laughs> <laughs> the salt bagel at Dunkin' Donuts is incredible. Incredible. Wow, and incredible. I'll, and, I'll, okay. and, and I'll also say this. I don't think I've ever had a salt bagel from anywhere else. So, <laughs> okay. So maybe you just like salt bagels. Maybe I just like salt bagels. All so right. Dunkin' Donuts has them on the menu. I'll take it. Positive thing we can say. You know what I like from this exercise is you started this by saying they both suck, that's and right. by the end of it, you have a clear winner. <laughs> that's true. You yeah, talked really yourself know. into Dunkin' Donuts. 
yeah, which just, is like, superior. God, all the all the years of hitting Tim Tim Hortons on the road in Canada. It's, yeah. No, it's not the place for me anymore. Not Timmy anymore. Hose. I learned my lesson. That's Timmy it. Hose. It's cheap. I'll give him that. It's cheap. It's cheap. But God damn, man, it's worth spending the money on something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks, man. That was so much fun. Uh, thanks Appreciate for having you me, guys. coming on. Yeah, yeah I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Love you. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All lady boners. I forgot to follow up and look that up. Uh, oh, you didn't look it up? No, but I'm going I'm to. I'm shocked. As soon as we you know done. Chris did. You <laughs> know, <laughs> I would hope so. You know he gave the up arrow I wish I to was him. on all lady boners, man. Jeez. I told my wife about it today. She's like, are you on it? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not pretty like that. I'm like, hey, I'm a drummer. So, you know. 75% of people don't even know who I am. <laughs> and then B, like, you know, I got the face made for podcasts. <laughs> you know, what are we going to I'm not does. putting eyeliner on this thing. Yeah, that's you not know? true. But maybe, uh, maybe keep the eyeliner off. You know, it's been one of the interesting things about the, what's going on with, with gender and sexuality is like, I did it too when I was a kid. <laughs> I went into my mom's room. I messed around with some makeup. I put on some clothes and I like just never liked the way I looked. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you don't look good like that." You're okay you're as just, a boy. <laughs> I'm like, "You're just too big." It's like the same reason I don't stage dive. It's just a bad look on me, you know. <laughs> like, so it's just never connected. You don't. You, know? you don't feel elegant. No. Okay, that's okay. No, not I every, don't. Not everybody needs to be elegant. The only time I feel elegant is when I'm randomly around, like. Two people who are actually taller or bigger than me. Ooh. Which very seldom happens. Interesting. But when I'm in that environment, I kind of feel like small and cool. So if you were if you were around Gene Simmons kid, you would you would feel because like <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> what a dick. I mean his dad's a dick too, right? Like historically. Yeah, I so. think so. But I heard a great can I tell a kiss story? Please. So I, I, I did uh, some shows, festival shows with a great band called Crevelertac, who are a, uh, like a you know, Scandinavian kind of power rock metal band. Really awesome. And they're really big up there. And they got asked to do some shows with Kiss. So in order to, to honor Kiss, the, you know, their uh, mask, or excuse me, their logo is an, an owl. They always use an owl for their art. Right. So for this one show, they made like 50 shirts with four owls with the Kiss face paint on. Ooh. You know, so I know funny. where this is going. I know exactly so where cool, this is going. <laughs> like, so cool. Such a good shirt. Uh... You know, like clever. Obviously, this band is not like making tons of money or whatever. Right. So, yeah. not what you have to stress. They get to the show within minutes. No way. Minutes. <laughs> someone in Gene Simmons' camp and like Kiss's camp uh, comes up. You cannot sell those. I never want to see that shit again. Blah, blah, blah. But the upside to that story is that I have one. Nice. Really? I have one of those cool Crevelertech Kiss t shirts. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I watched that show. I saw it. There's always a part of me that wants to root for Kiss because I don't know. I like as I get older, I appreciate 
the bands who did the theater thing. Right. I didn't when I was a kid. I, I kind of blanketly denied it. But now that I've played bigger venues and I know the deal and I know the types of bands that operate, like someone who does something like that and puts on a show like that creates characters oh. and a whole thing. Like, fuck yeah. It's awesome. Dude, when I was a and, kid, and I loved they're like, Kiss. Yeah, and they're four, like, I don't know, four, but a couple Jewish guys from Long Island, too. And I'll tell you. just that- had, like, a great idea. So fundamentally, I wanted to always support Kiss in that way. But just every time you peel back the onion, it gets a little harder, well, you know? Well, I'll tell you, though, yeah. But see, when I was when I was a kid, Kiss was the first band that I heard, like, in the late 70s that sounded, that the guitars sounded awesome. Like uh, you gotta remember, oh, what, like production wise. Or yeah, before wise? like I mean, I the first as soon as I heard the Clash, I fucking went fully punk rock. But I grew sure. up in a small town in Mass, Western Mass, where like I didn't have access to much at all. And yeah. like, like Kiss when I was like fucking twelve, Kiss was the only thing I was hearing that like sounded that the guitar sounded fucking balls out, you know? Like, this was, like, late 70s. Like, it was, like, Steely Dan, like, all this fucking awful shit, dude, on the radio. Yeah, 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 And, like, when Kiss came on the radio, I was like, what the fuck is that? That sounds cool. I mean, they were probably one of the first, like, hard hard rock bands with, like, mega budgets. Dude, they worshipped the New New York Dolls. They worshipped the Dolls. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, But, so funny, my Kiss story was that I there's this famous uh, New York roadie named Night Bob, and Night Bob used to Night Bob. Yeah, I, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, that's alluring <laughs> right there. That's alluring. But Night Bob, roadie. We could do that Kiss. at our maybe our roadie episode that we've been talking about. Okay. Oh, he'd be great. Okay. He's got stories. But all Night right, Bob right. was doing a kiss. This was probably the '80s as well. Um, I don't know. It's a story that he told me. Oh, let, speaking of Kiss, who's that? Uh, but, uh, sorry, I'm being, yeah, yeah. I'm being interrupted by a nine-year-old. What's up, Oscar? <laughs> but, uh, they were, they had a pre-tour meeting and everybody's in this, you know, they're in the, in the venue. Um, and Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons walk in, in like, in gym shorts Oh, like shorty gym shorts. Like, so maybe it probably was the eighties, right? Yeah. Eighties or early nineties. They walk in in gym shorts and he said they just proceeded to totally kvetch about all the tour bookings. They were like, Oh, that's just make, he said he was, he thought he was listening to two grandmothers. He's like, (laughs) they're like that. Be sure when we get to Cleveland, we don't stay in that hotel we stayed in last time. It was horrible. <laughs> he was literally, if you close your eyes, it was two Jewish grandmothers, like, yeah, going kvetching, off on it. yeah. kvetching. Oh, he said it was no. horrible because, like, I think, I think it was the first tour he'd done with Kiss, and it was the same thing. Yeah. He's like, he's like, it was I, I, my all my images of the band were just shattered. It's totally that. in character, and it's and and there's a fallout to that, which is like. 30 years later your fucking kid doesn't know how to take a joke <laughs> it's all part and parcel of the same shit you know Indeed. like like you're out you're out in los angeles <laughs> you have a fucking show on tv that's famous like something like you know you're not going to expect something like that 
You don't have a funny line for it. You're going to let it ruin your night yeah. and get to say fuck you to some some really nice looking yeah. young punk rock guy. Like, whatever. Yeah. So so you got some social medias and things. So, yeah. So social media crust, crust well for both mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram. You can find Chris there. Of course, the Flatliners on Instagram and Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, you can follow us. Uh, going off track, all these places. Um, and I just want to elaborate. Of course, I was thanking Carrie Ann because she is an incredibly generous Venmo tipper. Yeah. For I don't know awesome. why she doesn't just join us on Patreon because she, maybe she doesn't believe in it. I guess it's okay. It's fine. She gives us way more money than she would be giving us on Patreon. And, well, thank uh, you. I, we appreciate it very if you wanna, much. If you want to throw us a tip, we would never expect you to be as generous, but um, you can you can do it Venmo.com slash off track or go to Patreon.com slash going off track and become a patron. We've got some bonus content yeah. up there. Um, and just, Brad's nearly done being an elf, so we'll have a lot more, a lot yeah, more bonus content exactly. soon. And, yeah. uh, and just give us a good re- you know review on iTunes if if if. That's what you can do. Sure. Or just keep listening and uh, be part of our audience because... Oh, tell your friends. Oh, I'm kvetching over here. <laughs> so, Oy, uh, it's a really good show. The outros are always too long, but you can always just turn it off. <laughs> you can always shut it down. <laughs> also love Chris told me he's home and him and his buddies... Are have a legit merchandise company, Cut Loose Merch. Oh, cool! And that's what he's been doing at home. He's printing. They're selling. They have an online, so people should check that out too. Chris is uh, finding an avenue for himself to to yeah to 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 make a road at home yeah. where you don't have to stay in the road forever, yeah, which help, is crucially help, important. Yeah, help those guys out because seriously, yeah. Even though he did say that he was having too much fun staying home, yeah. Yeah, uh, we know the consequences. It's not going to last. Sure. He's not going to. He's not going to feel that way in, in another few months when he he needs to get out on the road. So that's true. Help him out, man. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining the program, and thanks for the love. And everybody, be good to each other out there. Yes, you know? indeed. Please. All right. Bye. Bye.